Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, we can make birthday memories that will last a lifetime at Build-A-Bear Workshop. During your kid's birthday month, your kids get to count their candles before making their own birthday treat bear. The birthday treat bear is made just for birthdays and only costs as much as the age you're celebrating. If your child is turning four, the birthday treat bear only costs $4. Visit buildabear.com to become a bonus club member for free and learn more about all the fun ways to celebrate birthdays at Build-A-Bear Workshop. Guys, happy Halloween. However you celebrate today, I hope it is fun. I used to be a super mean mom and I used to give my kids, you're going to think I'm joking when I tell you this. I used to give my kids four pieces of candy at the end of the night. They're older now and they don't go for that, but I do let them eat the candy as much as they want tonight. And then I will gladly give it away or throw it away and keep all the Reese's to myself. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed today's show. My guest today is JJ Heller. JJ is seriously a breath of fresh air. We talked through how she ended up pursuing music after a dream died with some powerful moments of vulnerability as JJ shares how she walks through anxiety, panic attacks, and the struggles she wrestled with to share this part of her story publicly. I am so very thankful that she pushed through those fears to share her story. You guys, I want to let you know, it never gets old telling you guys about my book. It released this past January, so it feels like I should stop talking about it. But every single week, someone comes up to me and says, thank you for writing your story. Here's what it is, you guys. My book is called If You Only Knew, and it's just basically me going, hey, I'll go first. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to go first. I'm going to be vulnerable. And then you can too. If you've ever struggled with your identity, with feeling shame, with not feeling good enough, I hope that my story can show you that God can use all of us. Pick up my book, If You Only Knew, anywhere books are sold. All right, you guys, here is my conversation with J.J. Heller. Hey, J.J., welcome to the happy hour. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. It's good to meet you. I know. It's so fun. Uh, We're in Nashville recording this, Um, me and my assistant, Lindsay, and you brought your man with you today as yeah, well. Yeah, husband Dave. Husband Dave is here, and we're just going to have a big party in here for the happy hour. Um, thanks for coming. Introduce your family real quick for everyone that's listening. Okay, so I am married to Dave. We've been married for 15 years. Congrats. Thank you so much. And we have two little girls. Lucy is nine, and she's in fourth grade this year, and Nora just turned seven. So she's okay. in first grade. Okay. I have a daughter in fifth grade. Oh. So we're, they're so close. And I will tell you this, um, f- fourth grade to fifth grade, there was a huge jump for my daughter maturity wise. Yeah. I'm just, she also has three older brothers. So she's like, she would teach your your daughters, your sweet, innocent daughters. She would teach them things <laughs> that they would not need to know oh, no. because she has three older brothers. Okay. Oh yeah. I see. Yeah. So all kinds of, not bad. I'm not talking bad. I'm just talking three older brothers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I've heard that from other parents that uh, fourth grade is this really big jump. And even academically, like it's really hard. And I've kind of been seeing that. Yeah. We just saw mature, a little bit more maturity, which we're happy for. But I think the last kid too, you're like, come on, we're we're already in. Yeah. My other boys are wearing middle school stuff. Come on, let's go. And so 
I'm trying to remember she's still fifth grade. Yeah, that's interesting because my youngest, who is almost three years younger than Lucy, is she's feels so much more mature at her age than Lucy was. But I think it's because she's had the older sister totally. to watch. Yep, 100%, 100%. Uh, okay, so two girls live here in Nashville, do music. Have a dog. Have a dog. What kind of dog? Uh, he is an Australian Labradoodle. <gasps> Wait, so, okay, wait. I have a Labradoodle, yeah. but it does not have the word Australian in front of it. I know. And so what makes yours special? It's it's kind of misleading. Um, people often think it has some Australian shepherd, but it's just that the breed originated in Australia. Okay. So it has a little bit of Spaniel. Um, okay. and, and they're supposed to be like therapy dogs. And so I thought, man, what a great family dog. I love that. Yeah, and he is mostly, he's a tiny bit neurotic. Wait, oh. my Labradoodle is neurotic. Really? We also have a Golden Doodle. Okay. And she's like the prize of our home. Oh. We love her. If you like came in my house and said, you have to give up one dog, it would be the Labradoodle. <laughs> I won't tell <laughs> your other dog. Don't tell her, but she's neurotic. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Maybe it just comes in the... I know. Well, he is adorable, super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, want to let people know that um, my life isn't as perfect as it might seem on Instagram. Okay, well, let's let's just jump into that. Okay. Okay. Instagram, it can make our lives seem as perfect, but also I think there are a lot of people who are pretty honest and say, hey, actually, listen, my life isn't that perfect, and you're doing that. Why? Where does that come from? Oh, well, I just have— such a heart for women and and for moms. And I think that we're just so good at putting all of this pressure on ourselves to be and do everything. And it's so easy to scroll through Instagram and look at the, the mom who's really great at decorating her house and think, oh man, my house isn't that pretty. Or the mom who's really great at like making these amazing snacks that look like Dr. Seuss books, um, like on a plate uh, and thinking, oh, I can't do that. And, um, and I just heard recently this really great quote about how important it is to not compare yourself to somebody else, but to look at uh, who, just ask yourself, am I better than who I was yesterday? Okay. Am I better than I was yesterday? Mm-hmm. Do you struggle with comparison? I do. Um, but I feel like a couple years ago, the Lord, like as I was approaching the new year, um, I was kind of just praying and saying like, what What do you have for me this year? What, what can I learn? And this idea of comparison came to my mind. And I realized that most of the time, like when I met somebody new, I was instantly asking, okay, how am I better? How am I worse? Isn't like crazy? Are, I know. Yeah. I'm like sitting here and you're telling me this. I'm like, you're not crazy. We all do this. I know. And it's like, uh, do I like her clothes? Are my uh-huh. clothes better? Like where? And and it's just nothing good can come from those questions. Nothing. And, and so I feel like in, in that moment, the Lord said, well, what if you replace those questions with, how can I bless this woman? And what can I learn from her? And then it's this totally different headspace. And for me, there's so much freedom in that because I'm a little bit of an introvert. And so meeting new people, sometimes I get really nervous and I'm like, I don't know what to say. And I run out of things. And and so, but what I realized was most of that nervousness comes from focusing on myself. Like, how am I feeling? Mm-hmm. Like, what do they think of me? And to change my mindset to, okay, what can I 
give to this person? And how can I be curious about who she is and what can I glean from from her wisdom and her experience? You know, I think that comes across to when you meet someone, because I think whenever you meet someone new, nine times out of 10, don't you think they're thinking the same thing towards oh, you? yeah. You know what I mean? Because um, my husband, I always like, if I complain about what you're just saying, like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think about me? Aaron says to me all the time, he's like, Jamie, listen, people are not thinking about you as much as you think they are. They're just <laughs> not. And I'm like, yeah. oh, they're usually thinking about themselves, like mm-hmm. what you described. Um, but when you react the way that you said, I'm going to change my mindset and I'm going to think, how can I bless her? That comes across and the other person feels super welcomed to the relationship. Yeah. And then you're both in this really great headspace. Walls come down. Yeah. I know. But it's so, it's so, it takes effort. It totally to, to does. To get into that mindset because the default is, you know, comparison. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, have you unfollowed people on social media because yes. it was a struggle for you? Yes. Um, and, I have as well. So yeah. 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 And I think, for a while, when I would unfollow people, I would feel kind of this sense of failure. Like if I was stronger, I'd be able to handle this and like, what's wrong with me? And I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of true. But on the other hand, it's like you you go through seasons in life and you have to know yourself and what's going to help you thrive and be healthy. And, And sometimes that means unfollowing somebody on Instagram. Maybe it's just for like a couple of weeks yeah. um, until you get a better, better handle on, on what you're struggling with. But I think that's totally fine. And I, I totally do it. I totally have done the same thing. And for a season, you know, and I always think, you know, it's not, I've heard people say, well, they shouldn't post stuff like that if it makes us feel bad. And I always think people are just living their lives. I'm in control of what I watch. Like I'm in control of what I see. I'm in control of what I pull into my life. And so if, okay, I'll give you an example. I have started, I go through these seasons and I know you do Revelation, uh, wait, how, what's it Revelation called? Revelation Wellness. Yes. Yes. She's been on the show before. Alisa. I love her. She's amazing. She is amazing. I could follow her all day long. So, but let me tell you the story. I go through seasons where I start following fitness people because I think, you know what, Jamie, I'm going to get in shape. And so in order to get in shape, I need to follow people on Instagram (laughs) who are in shape. And so I'm all in and I'm following them. I'm following them. And then like two weeks later, I, I start thinking to myself, every time their pictures come up, wow, her body's amazing. I think mine is never going to look like that. Mm. And then I start feeling down, but she's not doing anything wrong. Like, you know what I mean? She's not doing anything wrong. And then I have to reevaluate, like, why am I following her? Am I following her because I covet that my arms would ever look like that? Or am I following her because I really want to glean some wisdom from her? And so I think it's a personal thing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think there's kind of two different things that come with that. One is the, the whole idea of, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so if you see somebody on social media who has super cut arms, it means that they're dedicating a certain portion of their day. They're making it a priority. And like, if you think about it, you can say yes to that. Or you I could, could say, make my arms look like that is what you're saying. Yeah, you could. But <laughs> if you, I worked you, really hard at it. But you might need to focus on your podcast yeah. or spend time with your kids. And that's and that's fine too. Yeah. And And the other thing I think that helps me is to just, when I see somebody and I get that twinge of jealousy, to just say, okay, that's her story. That's not my story. And and to just let it go in in that moment, that's brought a lot of freedom to me. Okay, so when you said 
telling yourself that's not your story, that's her story. I'm going to imagine that that's taken some work for you to get to be able to say that. Oh, yeah. What and kind of work have you done? Because there are people who are listening who are like, okay, I want to be able to do that. How does JJ do that? What kind of work did you put in to where you can say to yourself, you know what, that's her story. That's not mine. Uh, I think just noticing that when I dwell in the jealousy, it turns me into a person that I don't want to be. So being self-aware of that. Yeah, and yeah. It, it steals my joy. And so if I'm able to just kind of be logical about it for a minute— then it brings me back to like, okay, that's why I I need to keep saying, you know, that's that's her story. That's not my story. And and it's um, it's becoming a little bit easier, but uh, but it's still definitely work. It doesn't come naturally for sure. That's good to hear because I agree. I think that I feel I look at myself and I just turned forty this year and. You're not 40 yet, are you? Nope. Nope, I didn't think so. Getting, getting there. I'm 37. Okay, so I just turned 40, and I feel like the lot of my last five years of 30s and now turning 40 is that I can look back and see the work that you just described and see the benefit of it, but I would wholeheartedly agree that just because you figure out, like, become self-aware, make these choices, like, you still have to keep doing those things. It's just now you know the work that it takes. And also on the flip side, I think you know what you feel like when you don't do it. Totally. You know? Yeah. And and becoming self-aware of that as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Okay, let's talk about music. Okay. You and your husband play music together. Yes. Uh, Y'all write together. Yes. You stay on stages together. Yes. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of backstory real quick. My husband also plays music. And I have, we've been married 17 years. I have begged him to let me in on a songwriting session for years and years and years. <laughs> he did one time, okay? It was disaster. Mm. I'm not good at it. So I I, I threw, I, I gave up on the dream. But I'm telling you, you guys have a little dream of mine is that Aaron and I could write music together. Aww. It'll never happen. I have different giftings. But I love that you guys get to do this together. Yeah. Tell me. It's always fabulous, always wonderful. Everything always works together, right? Oh, yeah. It's a dream. We never fight. We never argue. Harps play when we walk into our, our house. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, so Dave and I met in college. And I— Where'd you go to college? Well— I my so my freshman year I went to Simpson College. It's a little Christian college in in Northern California. Okay, um, but we Dave and I met the summer before my sophomore year. Okay, and I was coming off of a dream that had died, and I was totally in this this space of time where I was redefining who I was, and I had just started writing songs and. I eventually, he was the worship leader for an on-campus ministry. And so I joined the worship team. Because and, of him? Or, mm, okay, but he was, okay. a big, he was a big draw, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, one day after like worship team practice, I asked if um, if they wanted to hear a song that I wrote. and That was bold. I know, I was scared. And so Look at I, you introvert coming up and I know. saying, that's a big thing. Yeah, well, I felt safe with okay. them. You um, felt safe, that's good. Yes. So I played the song and that was just kind of like the beginning of where I am today. And and that was almost 20 years ago. Wow. And at the time I had no idea that it would turn into a career at, at Did you all. you want a career in music? I 
I don't even think I would. It wasn't even. Like you didn't think that was even like on the table? No. Okay. Like I was too scared to even dream about it. Okay. Um, it just seemed too, too wonderful to even imagine. But you would, would you have said this is like dream job? Oh or, yeah. Okay. Yes. But it wasn't what I thought I'd be doing. Like not in a million years. If you asked me as a kid, like, do you think you're going to grow mm-hmm. up and, and sing songs? and be like, no way. Because I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to play play basketball. Yeah, I played. I wanted my big dream was to play basketball in college. Okay. So um, I worked really hard, like all growing up. And were you a point guard? Yeah, I was a point guard and a shooting guard. Okay. And I and I had to be really good at shooting because I'm only five five. Right. So I had to be a good three point shooter. And were you? I was. Yes. And so my senior year of high school, I was voted the most valuable player of my whole league. Girl, I know. Um, and which I was excited about because that meant that I would yeah, go to college yeah, and, and, and fulfill my dream. So I went to college and I thought maybe if I work really hard that I can be MVP of my league at the end of my senior year of college. And like as the freshman season progressed, I realized that that was never going to happen. Why? Well, because all of a sudden I was terrible and like I couldn't make a shot if you paid me. And I had no idea what was going on. It felt like God was like sabotaging my basketball skills. And it was terrible. And I got to the end of the season and I had the worst shooting percentage on my whole team. Oh no. Is this the devastating dream that you mentioned yes. earlier? Yeah. And so then I decided, okay, this isn't really, it's not really fun anymore. And yeah. I'm not really good at it anymore. So I'm just not going to play next year. And then... I was faced with the reality of not knowing who I was, like if I wasn't an athlete, because all through high school, I had the letterman's jacket and all the pins and, and all of a sudden I just, that wasn't me anymore. And you're a Christian at the time. Yes. Like you're walking. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you were having this identity crisis. Totally. And you're like, what, 19? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that following summer, I went on a mission trip to Africa with my college, and it was a really small group, just five of us, and we were there for six weeks. Oh, wow. What country did you go to? We went to Kenya. Okay. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was transformational. I mean, so many—like, I was at such a pivotal place in in my life, and so one of the things that happened while I was there was I learned how to play the guitar— and I wrote my first song with some friends on the trip. That's when you learned how to play the guitar? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And But you had you done music before? Kind of. Um, I took piano lessons as a kid. Like I, everybody else in America. Yeah. yeah. I love I like singing. I was in a vocal ensemble in high school, but I never got very many solos. Okay. And so I thought, well, I really like singing, but Apparently, I'm not that great at it, so I'll just focus on sports because right. that's what I get the trophies for, uh-huh. you know? And so it was just something that I thought was fun, but but then I learned how to play the guitar, and I wrote my first song, and then there's this other moment in Africa. I was washing dishes in the bush, like in the jungle with these two like buckets of dirty water, and so I was singing as I was washing these dishes, and like one by one, my missions team started to gather around, and and I got self-conscious, and I stopped singing, and they said, no, please keep singing, and I said, are you sure? And one of the guys on the team said, I'd pay money to hear you sing. 
And it was just kind of this offhanded comment, but it was the first time I think that I'd ever thought of my voice as anything special. Mm. And it was like the tiny little seedling of this new dream that God wanted to grow in my heart. And it's so funny to look back on that whole season of life because if things had gone the way that I wanted them to, like if I was awesome Mm -hmm. at basketball, then maybe I still would have gone on that trip and learned to play the guitar and written the song and all of that. But I would not have given songwriting a second thought. Because I would have been confident in my own dream for my own life. And so it took the death of one dream for God to make room in my heart for something bigger and better. I think it's so interesting, too, because I did not know this about you, that that God really had to put that in you because— it wasn't anything that you had ever thought of, Mm-mm. which is super encouraging as to how God works. Totally. That he can make amazing things happen when we're not even looking or trying or even had the idea. So when you say, I never thought I would have music as a career, you literally never thought you would have music. It's not like you thought, not like you were trying to do music and you're like, oh, I'm not that good. You weren't. And God opened all these doors. Yeah. And Oh, it's so funny to think about because it's kind of like a theme. (laughs) I feel like the way that he's worked in my life of making something beautiful out of something potentially devastating. Mm -hmm. Um, Like fast forward, maybe 15 years later, Dave and I are married. I start experiencing panic and anxiety. And it took me a long time to figure out what it was because I thought I was having a heart attack. And I kept going to the doctor saying, something's wrong with me, I'm dying. And the doctor kept saying, "Um, you're like 23 and totally healthy. Uh, And I just wasn't convinced until finally I figured out that I was having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And, And at first I was relieved, but then I had to figure out, okay, now I know what this is, but how do I make them go away? Because these are truly terrible and they're terrifying, and it's just this this feeling of total terror that that comes over you from nowhere, and it's a rush of adrenaline. And for me, I had trouble breathing, and my heart would start racing, and I felt dizzy. And so they got so bad at one point that I didn't even want to leave my house. And so I prayed that I would just wake up in the morning and that I would never have another panic attack again because I know that God is big enough to answer prayers that way, just miraculously and instantly. And yet that was not how he chose to answer my prayer. Instead, it was a really long, slow process of just a million baby steps toward healing and learning how to trust him And it was in the worst of that time where we wrote a song about where is God when we're suffering and why doesn't he answer our prayers miraculously the way that we want him to sometimes. And so it was so interesting that about a year into my journey of healing, a girl decided to use that song that we wrote for her audition for the show, So You Think You Can Dance. And it was so surreal to watch that episode along with 7 million other people. (laughs) Oh my word. And um, one thing led to another and 
a man who works at a Christian radio station in Texas decided to to play my song on his station. And then this woman called in and said, uh, thank you for playing that song because my husband is addicted to prescription pain medication and I don't know what to do and I feel lost. And that song reminded me of God's faithfulness and I and restored my hope. And then more people called in to encourage her and then tell their stories. And then they played the whole segment later. And it was just like had this snowball effect until they decided to add my song to their regular rotation mm-hmm. of songs. And then stations all over the country started to play my song. And, and it was just insane. But my favorite part about this story is that all of a sudden I started to get a flood of messages on Facebook and emails and letters in the mail from people from all over the country telling me their stories that they got into their car, they turned on the radio and maybe they had just signed divorce papers or that they were visiting their friend in the hospital or they were coming home from a funeral and how God used that song in that moment to bring them hope when they felt hopeless and to comfort their broken hearts. And, uh, and so for me to hear those stories and remember back to the time when I was writing the song and I was so frustrated that God was allowing that pain to continue in my life. I can see how he was able to use that pain and turn it into a song and then use that song in the lives of hundreds of thousands yeah, of people, yeah. most of whom I've never even met. And and it's just over and over I'm seeing in my life that he's taking these these broken things and and turning them into something beautiful mm-hmm. and and so that song is called Your Hands. Um, but it's just, yeah, he's he's just so, so amazing. All right, guys, I know you're loving this show, but I want to take a break real quick to thank some of our sponsors. The first person that I want to thank is Fab Fit Fun. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw that this week I opened up my Fab Fit Fun box. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products delivered four times a year for just $49.99 a box. It's great for discovering new brands and products that you can actually use because, guys, this is my favorite part. Everything is full size. You are not getting a box full of samples. FabFitFun is a fantastic value. Many products, individual value is more than the entire cost of the box. I'm not kidding you. My box that I recently opened had a value of almost $300 for $49.99. FabFitFun is a great gift to get for yourself and makes a great gift for the loved ones. My newest box had some amazing masks. It had some wireless headphones. It had a very cute tote bag. It had some bath salts that I cannot wait to use. I love getting my box in the mail because it's like a bunch of goodies just for me. Right now, you can sign up for your own FabFitFun box for yourself. Just know they always sell out, you guys. I'm not kidding. They always sell out. Use my code IVY. That's my last name, I V E Y 
So you get $10 off your first box. Go to fabfitfun.com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code IVY, that's I-V-E-Y, to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 value, you guys, for only $39.99. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Go to fabfitfun.com, use my code IVY, and get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. Okay, guys, I also want to thank another sponsor for today's show, and that is Third Love. Third Love uses millions of real women's measurements, and then they design its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. They have cups ranging from sizes A to H and bands up to 48. Third Love offers double the number of sizes that most other brands offer. Plus, their bras feature tagless labels, meaning no more itching, straps that won't slip, lightweight, super thin memory foam cups, and ultra soft smoothing fabrics. And remember, if for some reason you don't love their product, returns and exchanges are free and easy. I love my third love bras. They're almost all I wear these days, you guys. I love that they fit me really, really well. They show up on my doorstep, and if for some reason I don't like it, they're going to return it and exchange it for free. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners, that's you guys, 15% off your first order. That's a really good deal, you guys. It's worth trying. Go to thirdlove.com slash Jamie now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash Jamie for 15% off today. I love that story so much because my show is all women. Well, I always say that. And then I've heard there are men that listen to the show. So shout out to you men that are listening. But a lot of women, whenever we have people come on the show and we talk about anxiety, depression, women are so thankful Hmm. to hear it. Because I don't know what your experience has been like, but so many women feel so alone in this journey if they are experiencing anxiety or depression. And so when they hear you talk about it right now or anyone else that we've ever had on the show, it all of a sudden gives them hope that they can go on for another mm-hmm. day. And that's what your song is. What did that look like for you? I, I, You wrote the song in the midst of that. What did it look like for you on a personal level of walking through that Um, Did you have community helping you with that? How did that look like for you walking through those seasons? Yeah, well, it it took a lot longer to go away than I hoped that it would. But it was just kind of a lot of it was restructuring my thought patterns and and knowing that my thoughts has had kind of worn a groove in my mind. And so if something happened that would trigger it, my my thoughts would just fall into that rut and stay there. And mm-hmm. so it was a lot of work to get like the wheels of my mind to not keep falling into that rut. And, um, and it's, I, I actually wrote a blog post about it. Um, and it's called, you're not going crazy mm-hmm. because I've found that there are so many people out there who are suffering from anxiety and panic attacks, but I feel like it's, it feels taboo, mm. especially in Christian circles. Yeah. And I didn't want to talk about it for a long time. And like, as I got a little bit stronger and um, 
and a little bit better of a handle on my anxiety, I felt like God was kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, okay, so yeah. it's it's time to start talking about uh-huh. it now. And I was like, okay, God, I'll be looking for um, a couple people in my life to to tell. And, and he's like, a, no, actually. Yeah, he's like, um, no, from stage. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, and so I fought back for a long time because I really didn't want to talk about it. And then one day I just... I got brave and I did it. And from stage, from stage. Yeah. And it felt so vulnerable uh-huh. because I, I didn't want somebody to come up to me afterward and say like, if you love Jesus, then you would have faith that right. he's going to take care of mm-hmm. you. And he tells us to not live in fear. And, 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 you know, to some degree, yes, that is true. Um, but for whatever reason, like I think that we all have our thing mm-hmm. that we struggle with yeah. and we wrestle with. And it's not fear for some people. Yeah. Maybe it's pride mm-hmm. or greed or what or whatever. But for me, it's fear. Yeah. And um and and yet I'm so glad that I talked about it because there were two people who came up to me after that um that concert and they said, Thank you so much for telling your story because that's my story too. And I thought that I was the only one. Mm -hmm. And the thing with anxiety, with most things actually, is when we keep it to ourselves, when when we keep it in the dark, it gives it more power. And once we start telling our stories, that's when we can start experiencing freedom. Totally. So I love just encouraging people to find at least one or two safe people in your life to just be totally honest with. Just tell them things that you're scared of, things that you regret doing. And it's amazing how eventually, like the more you talk about it, then the more freedom you get from it. And then you can start telling more people, like, this is my experience with anxiety or this is my experience with depression. And soon, like, you will stand back in amazement as you see God using your story of brokenness to bring healing and freedom to people around you. Totally. And a story that you wanted to keep in because it's so vulnerable. Um, I always feel like when we do exactly what you said of, you know, of sharing our stories and being vulnerable, not only do we get to share the hard things, but we get to share where God has shown up. And without sharing the hard things, I have a hard time sharing where God has shown up in my life. And so we can share with the hard comes, this is how God is showing up and working. You know, I think it's good to talk about too, like you were said you were scared that someone would come up to you and say, well, you know, if you just had a little bit more faith or whatever. I remember I had experienced some panic attacks probably about eight years ago. And I did write about it and Mm. did get some of that reaction, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think it's important to realize that there are going to be people that say that. I mean, you know, and I don't I don't think that they're right or true, you know, but I surrounded myself with people who were going to speak truth over me. Um, but that that came with being public about something. Yeah. I was also having some people say some crazy things that I was like, no, thank you. You're, 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 you're now no longer welcome in this environment because yeah. of the way you're talking. Um, but it's a hard place. I think being vulnerable is super hard. Um, but what you've experienced of being able to see people say, Thanks for sharing. I thought I was all alone. I mean, we hear that all the time from the happy hour with people sharing their stories. Man, thanks for sharing. I thought I was all alone. And I think that's a really scary place to be in the world is when you feel like no one else understands what you're going through. Yeah, for sure. Totally, totally. Has that influenced the music you write? I know you mentioned that one song, obviously, but has it influenced everything else that you do? 
Yeah. In fact, I, about four years ago, released a lullaby album full of soothing songs. And it's it's funny because it kind of came out of this time where I was a new mom. My kids were super small and I was just kind of trying to survive. Like it's just relentless when yeah. they're when they're really little. And I was also coming off of this time where I had released Your Hands and it was on the radio. And then a year later, I had another song called What Love Really Means that was on the radio too. And um, it was something that I never thought would happen. And it was like all this unexpected success and publicity and it was super exciting. And then... Um, I pitched another song to radio stations and they're like, oh, we like it, but no thanks. Uh And then like a couple months later, okay, we'll try this song. Uh, No thanks. And just like song after song and rejection after rejection. And I started to put pressure on myself to try to write music that would change someone's life Mm -hmm. or have all of these like theological insights because that's those were the stories that I was hearing from people from from those first two songs that were on the radio Uh which were wonderful and just I, I couldn't believe that you know God was moving in people's lives through these songs that I had written. But then I started to put the pressure on myself. And you felt like myself. you had to keep performing. Yes. Like, how do we make something better? And yes. Totally. Uh-huh. And then I just couldn't even write anymore uh-huh. because it was it was too much. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to take a step away from that. And I'm going to write songs for my kids. And this is what the stage you're in. Let's, yeah. Totally. And it was, I started to, to think, okay, what... What do I want to sing over my children as they're falling asleep? And so they're just like simple songs of love and peace and truth and comfort and kind of everything's going to be okay. And I thought, okay, we'll release this into the world and hopefully it will be a tool that parents can use to to calm their children for bedtime or like when they're freaking out in the car or nap time or whatever. Uh, But that'll kind of be that. And so... It was incredible to see like a few months and years into it, just the the feedback that I started to get from this like simple album full of lullabies, mm-hmm. um, just hearing from moms and dads that it would be the only thing that would calm their child yeah. as they're going in for surgery or going through medical treatment. Uh-huh. Or children with sensory processing issues would listen to it and calm down. And uh, adoptive families using it as a theme song Mm -hmm. for their families. And, And it just kind of hit me recently that I think because I struggle with anxiety and worry, I'm really in tune with this part of my heart that's just longing to have lullabies mm. sung over me. Yeah. And I think there's a part in all of us that that's looking for that. We just want somebody to reassure us that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. I bet that those mom and dads are listening to it without their kids sometimes as well. They're like, yeah. oh, I need this in my world right now. Yeah. And actually, I thought it was just for kids until we were in the studio recording the project and I started to listen back. Uh-huh. And I, it was totally that moment of, oh my gosh, I need to hear these songs this is for too. Me. <laughs> yes. Okay, you mentioned something that I have a question about. So okay. I think that 
this is a struggle for anyone that's in, like their work also involves ministry. Mm. Okay, I have this conversation with girlfriends all the time. The happy hour, I want it to be a ministry. You know, I want people to be encouraged. I want them to see Jesus through our conversation. It's also my job, you know? How do you balance that? Because you said like, I, I... these songs succeeded. How do I write another song that succeeds? And then I feel like I can't do it. What's wrong? How do you balance this ministry hmm. that I can tell by listening to you that you see in what you put out? It's not, I can tell, it's not just you writing songs. You really care about the listener with also wanting to be successful. Tell well, us all your ways, JJ. Yes. Listen closely because this will <laughs> change your life. Um, you know, a few years ago, as those songs that my husband and I kept pitching to radio kept getting rejection after rejection, we were starting to feel rejected Mm -hmm. and starting to feel frustrated. And we would turn on Christian radio and like the music would drive us crazy because like we wanted to be a part of it. And it was just this really terrible headspace. And we got together with a friend of ours and... It, it was this amazing kind of life-changing conversation. Um, we we were hanging out with Bob Goff. Okay. Oh, okay. And, life-changing yeah. conversation. Here we <laughs> yes. go. Does it, I would like to know if anyone's ever had a conversation with Bob Goff that wasn't like, okay, so we had this life-changing conversation with a man named Bob. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I was going to say, well, maybe the guy who like changes his tires, but no, he probably <laughs> had a life-changing conversation with that guy. Okay, no well. lie. You know how he puts his phone number yeah. Like he hands it out, whatever. Yeah. I was interviewing one. This is this is the true story. I was doing some interviews for If Gathering and he was one of the people I was interviewing. This is not a lie. His phone rang and he said, can you hold, we're doing video interview. It wasn't live, but he said, can you hold on for a second? And he got up and took the phone call. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to tell him no. I mean, <laughs> I I'm not, this isn't my show. I'm just here interviewing. But okay, carry on. Yeah. Life-changing Bob Goff. Yeah. And so we were just telling Bob that we were feeling really discouraged because here, especially because we had just pitched a song that we felt was, like was really powerful mm-hmm. and that God could use on the radio yeah. and why wasn't it happening. And he was like, you know what, you guys, you need a different metric for success. And you need to figure out what success means for you. And I don't think success is having a song on the radio. And so I was like, okay, Bob Goff. <laughs> because that had been your metric. Yeah. Well, and and just to take to give yourself a little bit of credit, you had this unexpected. I, I'm I'm assuming unexpected. Oh, yeah. Like all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. That you weren't like. Pitch, were you pitching no. songs? No. no. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. She had this unexpected event of these two songs getting picked up like crazy. And so now that would have been your metric of success. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so my husband Dave and I just talked about it and and realized that success for us is hearing the stories mm-hmm. of God, how God is using our music in their lives. And uh, I mean, even even today on Instagram, somebody tagged me in their Instagram story, and it was a video of like a little six year old girl teaching her dad ballet, like as they're listening to one of my lullabies, mm. and it was just like so incredible that my music gets to be in those places in people's lives, like these intimate family moments, and. Um, a while ago, I got a message from a, a nurse who does cardiac 
ultrasounds okay. on on babies. And she wrote to me and and she says she said that she she loves her job, but it's heartbreaking sometimes because she works on these babies who are premature or who are born addicted to drugs and a lot of times they're from families who don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. And it's especially heartbreaking because she wants children, but for whatever reason, the Lord hasn't granted that to her. And she was just writing that um, there's this one day where she was working on this little boy who's, whose parents didn't want him and how my song just came into her head and she felt like the Lord was asking her to sing it over this this little baby in that moment. And it's the song that we wrote for our daughter, Nora, when we found out that we were gonna have another baby. Mm-hmm. And the words are, well, hello, little baby, your eyes have never seen the sun. You should know, little baby, that I am the lucky one. I get to be the one to hold your hand. And so she just said in that moment, like she's not the baby's mom, but she felt like God was telling her, this is your moment. You get to be the one to hold his hand and you get to be the one to show him love. And so, I I mean, to read those messages and and to see how God is is using these simple lullabies um, just blows my mind. It's altered your view of success. Yes, that is success. Right. And then to hear a story a few years ago from a Marine who was in Iraq. And he wrote to me on Facebook and said, I just wanted to let you know that when I was stationed in Iraq, I had trouble sleeping. And I would hear gunfire and I would hear explosions and I would put your lullabies on my headphones. And that would be the only thing that would help me fall asleep. It's just that like, just gave me chills. I know. Well, I have a friend who even told me recently she had a really hard season and your songs really helped her um, in that season. So I love that new measure of success. And I love how the measure of success changed. It changed your whole outlook and everything with what you're doing. And you are just faithful to what God asked you to do. Totally. And I think the more that I'm able to just release control and all I can do is keep creating content, keep creating the songs that God puts on my heart to create, and then just release it and and let Him do what He wants to do with yeah. it. And I think that's beautiful because you you saw that happen the first time. You you didn't have, like the first time with your songs when God did, you're like, oh my gosh, what have you done? You were just faithful to what God asked you to do, to write this song in the midst of a really hard time, and He's been using it, so— Love, love, love. Okay, so speaking of albums, you have a new album coming out next week. I do. Tell us about it. Okay, so. And is it always still scary to release something? I think the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yes. I mean, it's coming back to that whole idea of vulnerability. Oh, Again, it's like, okay, here's something that I obviously worked really hard on. I did my very best. And here it is, world. You like it, right? Like, that's Uh, how I always feel when I release even, like, a show every week. Like, you're going to like it, right? Yeah. I know. But, like— What can you do? You You do what God asked you to do. Yeah, you create the thing that you're meant to create, and then you let God do whatever He wants with it. So what's special about this album? So this is my second lullaby project. And I realized a year and a half ago that I kept hearing all of these stories from people. And 
it's my top streamed album. The first Lullaby album is. So I I realized, okay, something is connecting here. Mm. So what if we revisit this idea? And so we went into the studio and this is kind of a covers album. So it's 12 cover songs, like all of my favorite love songs since like the 70s. Okay, what are some of them? Bridge Over Troubled Water, uh-huh. Here Comes the Sun, uh-huh. Edelweiss, Moon River. How fun. Better Together, the Jack Johnson song. Hey. But they're all just done in this really soothing, peaceful way. And there's a 10-piece string section and a children's choir. It's really pretty. That's amazing. I know. So I am, I mean, we've been working on this for months and months and months. And so it it fills my heart with joy to be able to just put it out into the world. And, and I hope that it's the soundtrack to countless special moments mm. and memories in, in houses and cars. And, I love that. Yeah. So this comes out next week, November 2nd. Uh, we're going to play a little bit at the end of the show. So y'all stick around and listen. We'll play um, some from the new album. Okay, so tell me this. Did I hear, did you tell me that you're in a book club? Yes. Which book club is like my most top favorite thing that I don't get to do in life. It is, <laughs> I used to, a couple of years ago, I had a, an actual physical book club that I went to. Like we do a book club on the happy hour sometimes, sometimes. Uh, but I used to go to a book club with girlfriends and it was so much fun. What did you last read? We're currently wrapping up Year of Yes uh-huh. uh, by Shonda Rhimes. I've heard amazing things. It is. Yeah. Well, okay. I Is it like two years old, three years old? Oh, I don't know. Is it that old? Maybe. I, don't know, maybe not. Um, I feel like I people know. were saying that at the, when I we've we've talked about it before because but I've never read it. Okay. I just take everyone else's awesome opinions yes. of it. Well, okay, here's the thing I love about book club because there are some really brilliant nuggets of wisdom in there. And there's also some things where I'm like, I don't know if I really agree with that. But That's then you good. Yeah. Then you go to book club and you talk it through and you discuss it and you say, well, what what do you guys think about this? And and it's awesome. I love it. Oh, what's what's yeah. your favorite book you've read recently? Ooh, hmm, I'm so bad at favorites. I am too. I'm like, I love them all. Okay, I am currently reading this really obscure novel that, um, so I I tracked my vocals with this producer named Brown Bannister, who is like this legend producer. I've like, heard that he, name before. Yeah. Like, I have no idea why. Like, he, well. Except if he's legend, maybe I've yeah. seen it someplace. I mean, he's worked a ton with Amy Grant. Okay. So, he, and just a bunch of other people. But, yeah. um, so while I was over at his house tracking vocals, his wife, Debbie, said, do you like reading? And I said, I love reading. And she said, you have to read this book. And it's called Green Dolphin Street. And Never even heard of I this, know. JJ. Yeah, she said it's by this like really obscure author who is just incredible. Her her dad was a theologian. And I was reading the back just a couple days ago. And apparently, like she wrote, she also wrote a children's book that's J.K. Rowling's favorite children's book ever written. I'm like, who is this lady? Her uh, like anything that's JK, like if you write a book that J.K. Rowling's it's her favorite, you're like, you're a genius. Yeah, I know. And I'm I'm loving, so you're loving this it. novel. Yeah. Okay. I saw that you had read the in it the road back to you. Oh yes. What number are you? I am a phobic six. I'm a six two. <laughs> Yay! High five. Six six unite. Yes. yes. Um, okay. So I haven't figured out though if I'm phobic or not phobic. Counterphobic. So counterphobic is you're really uh, suspicious of authority, and I think 
phobic is you're you're looking to, for somebody to kind of tell you what you should do. Oh, I think I might be phobic. You're phobic? Yeah. Girlfriend? Yeah. And you're counterphobic? No, I'm phobic. Okay. Yeah. Um, I My husband, before we knew about the Enneagram, he would always say that I had worst case scenario disease. <sighs> I always know exactly, like, and I'll tell him some of the things. And let me tell you, I told you 40, I've learned a lot. I have a lot of these thoughts that used to really plague me under control because I know yeah. how to fight them. Yeah. You know, I've learned to fight. That's my battle, you know, yeah. in my head. Uh, but I'll tell him sometimes yeah. the things I imagine uh -huh. and he'll take, he'll say to me, I've never thought about that in my entire life. Oh my word. You are like speaking exactly what our conversations are. No, I mean, we'll be are. like walking down the street having a great family night and I will play out an entire scenario of everybody in my family getting killed oh. on the street except for me. <laughs> and then I know exactly what's going to happen and yeah. how I handle it, who mm -hmm. I'll call. And then I like fight it and get back into real life. Totally. And I'll say these things to him and he's like, I've never imagined you dying ever. And I'm yeah. Like, Wow, that's like a weekly a weekly worry of mine. And so Yeah. I oh find man. it. Oh, I can't. I'm like in the so battle, but really. Yeah, like we I remember we were driving across this super long bridge in, in Florida over the water, and Dave was like, Wow, isn't this bridge awesome? And he's like, What are you thinking about? You look like a hundred miles away. And I was like, um, I was just imagining us careening off the road into the water and dying. This is my life. This is yeah. my life. Okay, but here's like I would have imagined the car sinking, we're in the water, I'm trying to get us all out. Oh yeah. And then I would come back to reality and go, Okay, that's probably not gonna happen, Jamie. Just get back and see the beautiful waves. Totally. I'm back. Okay, so here's my one super practical tip of when I was just obsessively thinking about my worst case scenario okay, bring thoughts. It okay, so if there's anybody out there who like this is taking over your life, um, the one thing that I learned to do was to write down all of my scary thoughts. Okay. Because sometimes just seeing it makes you realize, okay, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and like the second step is you can also replace that with the truth because a uh -huh. lot of times it's a lie. Right. Like we're not going to careen off the bridge. So right, like, I'm low. afraid we're going to careen <laughs> off the bridge and die. Yeah. And then to say like, we're not going to careen off the bridge right. and die. Yeah. And like worst case, you know, and sometimes you can even chase it down and be like, okay, well, maybe we die. And then like God is still good. And, and you know, that was it for me. A couple of years ago, someone said I would like come to her and be like, I'm stressing out over just the most ludicrous things, like all of my family getting hit by cars. Like, you yeah. know, like that's so, it's not ludicrous. It's just unrealistic that right. that's, it could happen. You know, most of my things actually could happen. Totally. Um, but my girlfriend was like, so take it all the way. Yeah. Like, let's just say everybody in your family gets killed. What do you have left? And I was like, God, I believe he's still good. He would take care of me. And that actually brought me a lot of comfort. Totally. Um, there's this podcast that Davey Blackburn puts out. And a lot of times it's people dealing with suffering. Mm. And one of my girlfriends is like, I'm never going to listen to that. She's like, just doesn't want to. For me, when I hear someone's story, when I hear your story about the panic, you know, all those things, and I take it all the way to the end and I go, wow, God's still good. Like, yeah. He's still in control. That actually brings me a whole lot of comfort. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually, I, I heard somebody telling this story, like somebody who really suffered from panic and anxiety and worst case scenarios. And I don't know if this will be helpful or not, but it was really comforting to me because um, there was this man who, who was talking about, I used to obsess about my wife dying. Mm -hmm. And then eventually like she actually did die. Mm. Um, but he said, I wish 
that I could go back and relive all those moments that I wasted worrying about her dying and actually live my life yeah. and enjoy mm-hmm. her company. Mm. Um, so there's that. And then it's also like, okay, if something terrible does happen, like for me, I can I can live it in my mind first. And most of the time, those terrible things never actually happen. Right. And so you are just willingly subject, subjecting yourself to those tragic scenarios that will never happen. And even if they do happen, do you want to live it once or do you want to live it twice? That's a good word right there. That's a good word. (sighs) Oh, I know. Listen, this is what I'll be so happy about when we get to all go be with Jesus is that there's no more worst case scenario. Like, (sighs) amen. that could almost make me start crying. I never have to worry about anything ever again. Yeah. It's just, yeah, there's no worry, you know, and it'll be all, we'll be all perfect, you guys. Um, JJ, Thank you so much. Um, I am so excited about your new album. Uh, We're going to play a little bit here at the end. Um, I I wish you so much success Mm. um, and not just like downloads and all those kind of things. I really do hope that God uses your music to touch thousands upon thousands of lives and show them, let them be comforted by God through your words. And what an honor that God would choose you to yeah. do that. I mean, what an honor. So um, thanks for sitting down with me and thanks for getting vulnerable about anxiety and panic attacks and just give God all the glory for everything. So thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank you. Guys, don't forget, Third Love is passionate about the perfect fit and they believe it's time for your bra to fit you, not the other way around. Their collections are designed by women for women. So you will love the way you feel under each and every look. And now they offer over 70 sizes and more than a dozen styles. So you'll find the perfect bra for every moment and every outfit. Get 15% off your first purchase by going to thirdlove.com slash Jamie today. All right, you guys, I know you have enjoyed this time with JJ and how in tune she is to our deep need for the reassurance that we're all gonna be okay. I just love her music and the story that she sings over her listeners. I really appreciated how she shared honestly about her walking through anxiety and panic attacks. I hope that as you may walk through some of these same things that you will hear from our conversation that you are not alone. Also, you guys do not forget her new album releases this Friday, November 2nd, like two days from now. Go out and get JJ's newest album. You are not going to be disappointed. Check out the show notes for a link to pre-order. Also, at the end of this episode, we're going to play a song for you from the new album so you can hear it first right here on The Happy Hour. It's called Hand to Hold. You're going to love it. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is someone that you guys are going to adore. I adored her. The Nestor. You may know her by that from her online name, Michael and Smith. She stopped by my studio while she was in Austin for her cozy minimalist book tour. And we even did a little Instagram live as she walked me through how to create the best cozy design in my living room. Check out my Instagram TV to see the replay and get inspired. You guys enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. Come back next week to hear Michael and I and discuss all things home related. And you guys, here is a song off JJ's new album. Enjoy. I'll see you guys next week.